So guys, I just wrapped up my first week taking a class at MSU Denver Online. I told you I was taking one and I've held to it. But the one thing that has really stood out to me so far, and it's probably not a surprise if you've listened to some of our shows with Dr. Travis Heath, who's actually a teacher himself and a professor at MSU Denver, but it's the teachers. The teacher for my course in particular has been so responsive with questions. Every time I email her, she gets back to me, you know, sometimes within a few minutes and definitely within the half hour or the hour with questions that I have about the course that I'm currently enrolled in, but also just MSU Denver Online in general, the degrees, the pathways, the different majors that they have that I might be interested in. So if you're a first-time freshman that's looking to get your college degree for the first time, if you're looking to go back to school, maybe finish up your undergraduate degree, or maybe you're looking to get a master's, maybe you're looking to get a second undergraduate and bachelor's degree. MSU Denver Online has the courses, the majors, the types of programs, and I think most importantly, the teachers uh, to help you guys out with whatever type of student that you are. So you can check out all the classes they offer uh, for this current summer semester, or if you're looking to enroll in the fall online, make sure to check them out. The United States leads the Olympics in medal awards and is just about supreme in the sprint races, thanks to men like Tommy Smith and John Carlos. Yesterday, they came in first and third in the 200-meter dash and then stood on the victory platform with bowed heads wearing black socks and gloves in a racial protest. Before the Olympics, there was a furor in this country over a threatened boycott by Negro athletes. Then most of them decided that participation in the Olympic would further the cause of civil rights in this country and abroad. The Negro athletes wear buttons reading Olympic Project for Human Rights. There were some boos in the stadium last night. What is up, everybody? Happy Monday. Welcome into the DNBA show presented by Manscaped. Your balls balls will thank you. you. Your balls will thank you. I'm your host, of course, as always, Adam Mates. Joined by my esteemed colleague, D-Line Co. Eric. What's up, guys? Happy Monday. Tough weekend online with D-Line and just in general. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of tough uh, weekends lately. Yeah. You have Monday energy for sure. Um, <laughs> also with Monday energy, perhaps? Brendan Vogt? Hey, I moved from one kind of blank white room to another. Um, oh, look at that. So congrats to me. <laughs> I live with my girlfriend now. That's the first time I've ever done that. So Ooh. if it looks like I, I'm growing increasingly insane and unhappy over the next <laughs> yeah, right. four months, that's probably what, what's happening. Eat some delicious Portuguese food. It's going to be phenomenal. Yeah, and then the man fun. with the wind is Harris Harrison Wind. It looks like votes moved to a, uh, a much smaller room. Not only yeah. a new room, but a much smaller room. <laughs> that is true. I, I kind of like it. I kind of like it. Cozy. Uh, Cozy. Guys, uh, today's guest on our show, one of my absolute favorite guests, favorite people to talk to about sports, about life, about culture, about society. And good thing, because today we're going to be talking about all those things. It's Dr. Travis Heath. Doctor, welcome onto the show. Fellas, it's good to be back. Yeah. Good to have you back. The crowd is going wild, uh, the sound effects. Always trying to man the sound effects and everything at the same time is always tough. Um, <laughs> um, no, today, guys, I've been, honestly, I've been itching to have this conversation all weekend because obviously a lot has been going on for a while. Um, 
I think I, like most people, have been watching and reading and trying to just learn and absorb and, 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 and take in as much information and think about my perspective. And I'll be honest, some of my perspectives on various topics have evolved over the last month. And I think, I think for most people, probably has. Any thoughtful person is reflecting on. And one of the questions that has arisen since Friday was just the general topic of should we be talking about sports right now? And should sports be happening right now in any capacity? Because right now, over the last month, there has been a, a social movement um, in, in the United States. And I think one that has had a lot of sort of momentum. You know, we've seen a lot of protests and, and, and different things happen when um, following certain events uh, in society, most namely black people being killed at the hands of police officers, um, police abuse, th these types of things. We've seen protests. We've seen riots. But this one has lasted a long time, and it seems like there's been some actual meaningful change that has already happened and some real momentum with it. And so it's led people like Kyrie Irving and other members of, of the NBA, other players in the NBA, to ask whether or not sports should be should take place and should resume or should we should stay in this moment. So I wanted to have Dr. Tra uh, Travis Heath on because there's nobody I think better that I know personally to sort of talk about these things, always sort of thoughtful with regards to society and sports and culture and all these things and how they intersect. Um, so I'm just going to start. This is a big question. We're going to talk about this probably for the full hour. But when you saw that come out on Friday that Kyrie Irving and other people were talking about should sport, you know, maybe we shouldn't do this. What was your first thought? I wasn't surprised. I mean, I thought uh, it was inevitable that, you know, someone would bring it up. Kyrie's probably the kind of personality you expect might bring it up. But um, no, it wasn't surprising to me at all. And it's a it's a good question. I, I don't know the answer to the question. And to be honest, I don't think there is an answer like that's mm. See, we like things to be yes or no, black or white. Like, um, I know this is another heavy topic. Bear with me. I'm going to wrap this back around. But like, if you think back, uh, unfortunately, like this era of school shootings for the last two decades really started in Colorado, mm. right? And you think about Columbine High School, what happened? It's like there had to be a reason. You remember that? It was like Marilyn Manson. Right, yeah. Oh, of course. It was doom. Video and games. Yeah, that's preposterous, because if that if those were causal, we'd all be dead, like because millions right. of people listen to Marilyn Manson or um, play video games. Right. And so I, I bring that point up to wrap back around to say, like, that there's there's just not an answer. Different people feel different ways about this. Right. And whatever the NBA decides to do. I mean, I, I saw George Hill the other day say, like, basketball is the furthest thing from my mind right yeah. now. Right. And for some guys like the Kobe Bryant. Uh, mentalities of the world they can compartmentalize really well and probably being on the court is is going to be great for them right and, and it's going to be meaningful uh but for other people um especially uh you know black men in today's society aren't going to be able to focus on the court right and sure. they're not gonna, they're only going to be halfway there and we're gonna have people all in between so the reality is there isn't an answer where everyone's going to feel comfortable right so that's the first thing the next thing i would say is like you know the NBA, generally speaking, and, 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 you know, I speak as someone who's worked, you know, for teams in the NBA and so forth, so maybe I'm biased, but I feel like the NBA has always been ahead of the curve in terms of dealing with social issues and in terms of giving players freedom and flexibility to address these issues, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think, um, you, you know, the, the NBA has a chance to, if they do play, right, 
to uh, chew gum and walk at the same time where the, where they can, where we can play basketball games. Now we could get into like how that's going to look. I have lots of thoughts about just the basketball <laughs> part of it, but I'll leave that out for now. But but that is part of it, right? Is that if it was just the yeah. the social justice issue portion of this, like maybe we could maybe there would be a more defined answer or something you know we could work through. But we also have a pandemic and <laughs> and all these other things going on. But we can stick just to this aspect of it. I think for this part of the conversation. Yeah, yeah, and so and I think that you know so so the NBA, if any league can do it, I think it's the NBA, right, where mm-hmm. they can allow the players the freedom to sort of speak their minds and to take a stand and of course now the the pendulum in society the the pendulum of public opinion has shifted anyways i mean roger goodell is talking about like systemic racism like like and i I, when he's invocating systemic racism i think he's full of crap i don't believe him but but the point is that that's out for public consumption and so now that the pendulum has swung or seems to be swinging that way it, it could be really good for the nba but there's but you know listen another part of me goes this is a pivotal, potentially a pivotal moment in history, right? Do, do we need to be f- uh, focusing all of our energy on on uh, race relations in this country, right? Is that what we need to be doing? Focusing our energy on 400 years, the history of, of, of slavery, right? And the residual effects of slavery that never really have been dealt with. And not some of them aren't that residual, mind you. Um, so, you know, the one counter argument to that is, well, sports are a nice escape. And it's like, yeah, but should black men be uh, performing right now for primarily white audiences because white audiences are fe- primarily majority white audiences are feeling bored or are, are want entertainment. I mean, you can see there's just so many different layers to this. It's yeah. not a simple issue. I know it's unfortunately easy for someone in my position, a, a white male, a young white male to have looked away. Um, there are many distractions and we have these conversations for a week at a weekend at a time, or at least we have in my adulthood. And then the big game's on on Monday and and, and the world keeps turning. I don't know if not playing is the answer, but I can say definitively it's been harder to turn away now than ever in my life and uh, myself. But but I think on the macro scale, collectively, we're all lasered in on this one way or on another. And it's hard not to wonder if that's a big factor in, in what seem to be the seeds of some potential big change. Harrison, I, I do want to move into, because we talk about sports so, so much of, one of the phrases I keep hearing is it's a distraction, it's an escape, and this and that, and I don't, sports certainly are that in, in many ways, but I think they're more than that. Sometimes I think we're, we're limiting what sports can be and what it can yes. mean to a society, and I want to talk about that in a bit, but before we do, I, I, I Harrison, you were uh, on vacation, a much-earned vacation over the weekend, and so we haven't heard from you too much. But um, <laughs> when you heard about this on Friday, when, when you saw the reports coming out, what, what were some of your first thoughts? I mean, like Travis, or like Dr. Heath was saying. Um, Ooh, nice save. <laughs> <laughs> coach and doctor, those are the two I'll never drop, no matter who it is. Like, my middle school coach is still coach to me. Doctor's got to be doctor. Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, like, like Dr. Heath was saying, I, I can't say I was too surprised because um like the nba and this is a poor word to use but it's like the most woke league and they do handle like social issues better than any other league there are so many different viewpoints of players throughout the nba guys who are making 20 million dollars guys who are making 1 million dollars guys who came from you know 
terrible backgrounds, guys for, who were privileged their whole life. That I, I was not surprised there were different viewpoints and, sure. and different uh, uh, t- types of perspectives that emerged on this. So uh, I, I kind of share those opinions, yeah. And I think even just the general conversation, I mean, one of the things when we talk about a social movement and what is to come of it, I think there's real actionable things that people, I think, hope for and that, you know, that are meant to to spur. But I think everything starts with a conversation, right? Everything starts with and that's why it's funny when people even with this show, I mean, we've received some not not many. I think DNVR subscribers, thankfully, have. You know they're in it. They get they they get the whole picture. They understand that we want to talk about everything that's tethered to sports. Um, but we do get people that say, "Well, I don't want this or that from it." But you know what? This is a moment of time where everybody's mm-hmm. been forced to have the conversation, and I think that's that alone has been a real positive. And then, of course, we keep saying the NBA is the most progressive. That's a low bar to set to, to, to <laughs> true, scale. True. Unfortunately, in the NFL, <laughs> you, you can't trip over the bar so low. You can't trip over it. But um, yeah. go, I mean, go ahead, Eric. The, well, the NBA has the fewest players, right? Like it has the fewest actual people involved. Like that's always the I issue. Assume that's true. I guess I've never sat down. I never thought yeah, of I mean, it. Yeah. Every team, every team has thirteen players. Yeah, you're right. Uh, on a football team, you have fifty-two guys. That's always yeah, the issue. Yeah. Every time it comes to contract negotiations with the player association in the NFL, is that there are so many unbelievably disparate ideas coming together that they can't ever mm. come to to an agreement that benefits the players. But I like when I heard this news come out. My first thought was, I cannot believe they're just now having this part of the conversation. Like, I cannot believe that we went through all of this where we were just operating under the assumption that everybody was on board and we were just worrying about the details about what hotel they were going to stay in or if they get to bring their own floor as a benefit for being the top. That's so funny to think you're right. A week ago, that was the thing that came out. It's like, here's some details, guys. We're talking about what floor. It's like, no, actually, we're talking about every detail. Right. So it put me back to a place where I was like, oh, okay. Like, I, I didn't, I thought we were sort of like, have it we, we had moved past the point where we'd had to discuss whether or not this should happen yeah we were like the one seed gets to stay at the poly yeah 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 and it is funny <laughs> i mean like as, as you say uh, doctor uh <laughs> like i mean it's an awkward situation i mean you're asking mostly black men to go into a situation and put themselves in primary in, in into a situation that could be dangerous health-wise but yeah. also in this exact moment in time feels oddly exploitive even though the rest of the time when we're watching basketball, if it felt exploitive then, now it should feel exploitive then. So I don't know. I don't necessarily buy into that side of it, but it is very uncomfortable when you're asking somebody against their will to do something like this mm. when you didn't realize that everybody was on board in the first place. So that makes me very uncomfortable to know that people are not all on board. Like I, I certainly don't want to be in a place where I'm pushing for something that I feel like I personally would benefit from, but I don't even think it's that I would benefit from. I think the country at large would benefit from having not a distraction, but having something to unify us against, something that we can all sort of like look upon and feel proud about. I mean, that's the, the best part about the United States, if it's working correctly, which it, it clearly is not. But if if it's if we're actually, you know, living up to our, our, our promise is that we bring together the best parts of all of these different cultures and the amalgamation gives us something greater than the, the sum of its parts, right? Like, um, and right now, it, it, you know, we're sort of in this place where we're, we're all sort of like getting a little bit more tribal and 
it just bums me out. Like, I wish that we could have things that we all sort of like feel prideful about. Like I can feel prideful about LeBron James and Nikola Jokic and all of these things, all of these guys and talents and personalities and people that come together under this one idea that we can all feel good about, but you know, we're not there right now. So I, I, it's, it's very complex and it's very uh, unnerving. And I, you know, I just, I just want people to be, (laughs) I just want to play basketball because it's nice to be fun. And it's, it's, um, I don't know. To your point, Eric, I mean, I think even some of the leading voices and what we would call, um, I guess not the opposition, the hesitation. I mean, they're, they don't even have conviction in, in necessarily what they would or would like to do. Yeah. I think it was just, hey, we weren't involved in this discussion and, and we haven't necessarily yeah. taken the time and the breath to have the proper dialogue. And so yeah. I, I mean, that, I also, that's, yeah, that's yeah. my big takeaway. It's like, it's not even, yeah. I don't even think we know that these guys don't want to play. They just feel like maybe they never had the chance to, to have the conversation and hear their voices heard. Well, yeah, well, it's a testament to how to where the conversation has gone and how big of a movement this is. Because when LeBron James wore a T-shirt that said "I can't breathe," I don't think players were thinking about not playing. So oh. I, I think it's just a testament to you know where where we are right now yeah. as a country, and also just the involvement of NBA players and the involvement of voices across the board. I mean, Jalen Brown like leading a march in Atlanta, M- Malcolm Brogdon, like all, all these guys in the league are, are stepping up big time right now. So. Hmm. Let me yeah, ask this, like, this, this is kind of a broad question, but I want to move it in this direction. And this is so this is so broad, you're going to laugh. But <laughs> um, so, so Travis, what, what role, if you go back through all of human history, what role, if we can narrow it down in broad strokes, what role do sports play uh, in, in society? Because I wrote about this actually in my first, when I joined DNVR, I did the big like reveal article. And I, this is what I wrote about. I was coming back from Italy. So I was just, you know, looking at all these like Roman ruins and stuff and, and, and seeing what role sports played and how many, how many of the great buildings were sports buildings. So I had, the, I was thinking so much about it was on this trip. Sports are at this heart of every civilization. But in, from your perspective, what role do they play in a society? Well, I don't know that they've always played the same role in every society. I mean, sports sort of have to evolve with the society, right? But I mean, um, like D-Line was saying, you know, uh, unity can be a part of what sports provide. Um, You know, a a distraction can be a part of what sports provide. I mean, I think something in the modern era that's complicated is just the salaries, the sheer amount of money, Mm. because, you know, like... Like in the 1980s, when I was a kid, you could like, and I'm not saying you can't do something kind of like this today, but it was different. Like you could go to the restaurant below McNichols Arena after the game and the players and coaches are just like eating down there. (laughs) And you could just like hang out down there, right? There was no like fences and gates and hummers and all that stuff. I can't fathom that. Like I really can't. (laughs) It was a a different time. And so, you know, like, like. And I'm not saying this is anybody's fault or I'm not necessarily saying it's bad, but I think there's a little bit of a separation now because of just the sheer amount of money that's generated in in these industries. And so and now you have a lot of you have a lot of other uh, factors at play. There's so much money. So like when we talk about sports coming back, so many different people have an interest in this, a vested Mm -hmm. interest in one way or another. Right. Like 
if you, I mean, you all do as well. You need, I mean, basketball, not that you, Hey, we're having this conversation now. Right. So obviously you're diverse enough that you can, you can have other conversations, but it would be nice if there was basketball for your platform. Right. So you have a vested interest. We have these, these billion dollar TV contracts. Right. Yeah. And so there's what, what, what makes it challenging now. And I know your question was like, what do, what do sports mean to a society? But there's all these other things that are tangled up in it now, right? And there are all these other interests. Mm. I mean, if if I don't know the answer to this, I'm I'm merely speculating. But if there was um, not these huge television deals, right, and all of this money being thrown around, would Adam Silver be pushing to go back? Like, like I don't know. Like I don't. I mean, oh, so we could make question. the unity case and all of that stuff. But there are all these financial interests that are a part of it, and then. You know, on top of all that, we have sort of the COVID complications. And I, so I want to acknowledge that when the commissioner is trying to make decisions, then he has this too, right? right? Which, which makes it even more complicated. But there's so much money now that's, that's in play. I just think that it's so, – so what do they mean? They mean the same things, I think, fundamentally, right? But, like, athletes at one point were, like, really – I'm not saying they're not at all, but they were part of the community. They were your neighbor, yeah. right? Like, they didn't – they didn't live in like a gated community and you, you never saw these dudes. They were a part of your community. And now there's a bit of like a separation. They're still figureheads in the community. They're still important in the community, but you know how much, I think I just want to say one other thing on this, which is like, is this, and I don't know the answer, but is this hiatus from sports teaching some people that like, we don't really need sports or is that how they're feeling? Like I, I'm not, you're probably not, but I'm saying to like the casual fan, does it make them go like, well, shoot, I could I can find something better to do with my Sunday than spend, you know, three and a half hours watching football. Like, I don't like we have no research on this. I'd be interested to know, like, is are the ratings just going to go back to the same place that they were like? There's just there's so much unknown about this. And my hypothesis is if the athletes were still just like us. Right. They were just like dudes out in the community. Like there might be a stronger pull to stay connected, but I don't know. Uh, maybe I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that like when it comes back, the ratings are strong and it's as good as it's ever been. But I'm just saying these are all things we don't know. I've always said this has been a line I've gone to for, for years now as I've been doing this, and I truly believe it. The arena, this pro sports arena in a city is the only place left, the last place left where all walks of life come together and yes. cheer on the exact same yes. thing. There's yes. no more, even churches and, and, and everything else, they're very segmented. They're very, you know, denominations or this or that. A sports arena gets, in football, 70,000, 80,000 people, political beliefs, uh, sexual orientation, class, everything, they all come together. Yes. And for a little brief while, they're high-fiving. And, they're, and so for me, I, I have a really hard time seeing sports solely as this distraction because for me personally – before I got into sports media, they were such a positive. And then now that I've been here, look, it'd be hard for me to share all of the experiences that I have had as as a voice for a fan base. In many ways, that's what I feel like. I'm a voice for the Denver Nuggets fan base. I couldn't <laughs> – Eric says no. It, 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 just let me run with this for a moment. Either, either way, I can't separate all of the positive things that have come from that and say no – this is just a distraction because there's been too many positive, too, too, too many great moments that have come from it. And that, so to me, I, I, under, I completely understand the question. And you're right that I wonder what the casual fan thinks. Well, first of all, people have been trapped in their homes. I can't imagine they've been like more entertained or thoughtful or, or reflective than <laughs> I think people are just going crazy inside their houses. But, <laughs> um, but I, to me, sports have always been a positive. So I can't I, I have such a hard time seeing them not be that. 
I do think there's some defining of terms to be done too. And so far as like distraction, I think right now in the current times, it's been used with a negative connotation. Right. But yes, in a, in a closer to fully functioning society, mm-hmm. distraction can be a beautiful thing. And in fact, it is my favorite part of sports um, to willingly subscribe to something where the emotional stakes are high, the real life stakes virtually oh. non-existent, at least for me. Yeah. So there's a beautiful catharsis. It's almost like a, a green light to just be yourself um, in a raw sense emotionally. Yeah. But, but again, like the context that we're in right now sort of defines this term differently. And, and I'm not so sure that I want to be distracted. But to be clear, that's also the very thing I like the most about it. This is going to be yeah, the hardest thing. The hardest thing here. You're going to have to couch it, Eric, because we do have to. Unfortunately, we are a business. We do have to pay <laughs> some quick brief bills here. So uh, take us into our first break. We're going to keep this conversation going, though, guys. We got a lot more. Yeah. First up, guys, if you're looking for some beers this weekend, make sure to check out the Mile High City Copper Lager. Are you talking about the Jokic Breck Pack? Brew. Is that the Jokic Pack? Is it renamed? Oh, yeah. We renamed it the Jokic Pack. <laughs> I really that's don't think this is going to stick, but I love how persistent. I'm going to make the it That's the 15-can sampler. Yeah, that's the 15-can sampler. Know, I need to know, though, is it, is, it, is it the Jokic Pack because it's 15 like his number or because of the, the number of abs he's Both. Got. That's what's so amazing about <laughs> it. It's both. <laughs> well, I you, he has an, an odd number of abs. But <laughs> <laughs> you guys can pick up both of those uh, items, the Breck copper lager and the uh 15 can sampler from davidson's they have curbside pickup and delivery you can also get it from breck brew as well also shouts to everybody who was in our wg tournament wgt tournament this congratulations, weekend congratulations harrison for coming in number one amongst dnvr <laughs> i was like i was top 15 barely so not a great <laughs> chilling from anybody on this call it's so Dude, true. the 65 but, uh, at the yeah, winner yeah. shot that was a little ridiculous Can i really melted yeah, down. I was insane Join. i really melted down on the last yeah. one i don't want to get into it but yeah, that's absolutely insane. Uh, but if you want to get it on future tournaments, you can download WGT, WGT from dnvrgolf.com and just search for the country club titled DNVR2. DNVR, the number two. That's how you can get into all our future WGT tournaments. Good stuff. All right, Eric, before we went to this break here very abruptly, you uh, you seemed like you had, uh, very naturally, I should say, you, well, uh, you had Well, I was just going to say about the role of sports in society. Like, there's something to the fact that sports have existed in every form of society mm. that uh, we've uncovered. That if you go to ancient Mayan temples, they have a, a ring affixed to the side of, like, a weird little column. I believe you're that... talking about the ancient game of poke to poke. <laughs> Well, I don't know. It's what an I'm incredible poll. <laughs> As per usual, I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but uh, I think sports are, in the idea of them being a distraction, like sports are so deeply ingrained in what it is to be a human being. Like, there's something that sort of tickles the reptilian part of your brain uh, that sports allow you to exercise, especially in a modern society where sports, in a lot of ways, serve as a proxy for that aggressive, war-like part of your brain um, mm. where you can harness this idea of competition and <clears throat> battle but it's in, a, in an arena that doesn't mean anything and you know like Brendan says like uh, my favorite part of sports is that I just go and I just am just the dumbest mouth breathing version of myself I just <laughs> scream like I only have three things that I scream and I scream them over and over you guys know I scream let's go uh, you suck <laughs> and 
Boo. Those are the one hundred percent <laughs> true. It's completely true. And I, I say those things over and over. I'll throw, uh, uh, you know, every now and again, I'll, I'll be like, "You suck, Westbrook," or something. I'll face <laughs> whoever I'm looking at. But like, it's it's important to sort of get these aggressive feelings out and you know and express them in a way that is healthy. And, and sports is sort of a part of that. And the thing that's troubling for me. Uh, the way that sort of specifically the NBA is going, and, and Travis made me think about. Excuse me, Doctor Travis made me think about this. Like the the divorce. It, Eric, it doesn't count as respectful. If yeah, you're like, exactly. Yes, I was like, Jeez, like, he did earn it. No, no, that was for that was for that's for win, not for, not for Doctor Travis. I obviously have the, the utmost respect for Doctor Travis. It's Clearly, win, <laughs> you could do that the first time, but after the first time in this show, you you got to refer to him as Doctor. I know, I know, I know. I I made the mistake of thinking of him as on my level. Which is the mistake. I, I'm not dead. Um, but um, I don't know. The NBA sort of like has this separation where they don't, it doesn't feel like they're in it for us as much as we're in it for them anymore. Like, it's sort of like they're, they're, we're here for them more so than they are here for us. You're talking about the players? The players of yes. the NBA? And yeah, this might be to, to what Dr. Trapp was talking about, totally. about yeah. the separation between players. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So, you know, when you now we're coming to this place where, you know, like, does the NBA, like, do the players care about the idea about having some responsibility to the fans? Like, it, does that exist? Or is it only the one way where, you know, they get the money, they get the adulation, they get the fame, but they don't necessarily owe anything back? I don't know. This is a much larger discussion. Like, but it, it, it's, it's worth at least talking about. Like, hmm. do people that are able to bring solace to a very upset and broken nation have any responsibility to do that? I don't, I don't know. It's a question. It's a good question. Yeah. I, just, oh, I was leaving it. Yeah. I was leaving it for Dr. Travis. Yeah. Like he... yeah, no, I'm thinking about it. It's, it is a good question. Um, I, you know, I have a hard time with like, it was like on the last show that we did together, right? Like a responsibility. That's a big, like that's a big word, man. Do they have a like, sure. like? I don't think they have a responsibility. Like, well, okay, and then it's like contractual responsibility sure. Sure. versus moral Absolutely. responsibility versus well, personal like a, responsibility. Like a, yeah, as a member of the society, do they have any responsibility to its health? I don't know. Do, do any of us? And then, and then that it's a great question, and that goes back to the question of if sports come back and the NBA comes back, is that good for the health of the nation? You know, and I don't like I, 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 I'm I'm almost always firmly in the camp of we've got to be able to do multiple things simultaneously. Right. Like we can't um, I, to be honest, like leadership sometimes that, that we have these days, I'm not sure does a good job of that. But we sure. have to be able to address multiple things at the same time. What I just keep coming back to is what are the reasons why the NBA is going to play? Now, I'm going to get into the basketball side for a second, if I can, because I think it's germane to what we're talking about, which is like, I mean, I don't feel comfortable with them giving out a Larry O'Brien trophy for whatever they have planned. Like, if they want to give out a different trophy or, like, money can go to a charity, like, that's cool with me. And I'm going to sound like the old guy, and I probably am the oldest guy here on, on our esteemed panel. But, like, I don't – it just – it's it's not it, – it's it's not it's not Larry O'Brien worthy what they have mm. planned now. Now again, hey, like do something fun, do something like 
have some kind of fantasy draft. Go crazy. Do something that we never do in another year. Like I, that's fine with me. Like, um, but wow. don't don't have it be rooted in the tradition when it's something that's going to be fundamentally different. Now, mm. I bring that up to this larger talk about what sports mean in society and all of that because, like, what are we going back to? Like, why don't we just wait? And and I know the I know the answer because there's too many people with financial interests. That's a big part of the answer. There are other parts too, but why not just wait? Like, what the heck? I don't. Sorry, I don't know time. It's June. It's almost halfway <laughs> through June. It's June fifteenth, man. Right. So like, can't possibly be right. So so we've already had the, the equivalent of an off season, like uh, since the last yeah. time we played basketball. Yeah. Like, let's just let's just wait at this point, right? And so there's another part of me that says like. Why are we doing this? Like, why are we rushing back and doing all of this stuff at Disney World? And then we have this plan of like this bubble, which again, as a psychologist, I look at that and I'm like, actually, it's a really good plan and it's really well thought out. And I give the NBA a ton of credit. They've overlooked one important point, which is that human beings have to execute it. Like there's no, you can't get NBA, you can't get NBA, some certain NBA players to adhere to a curfew. You think you're going to get them to stay oh, in a bubble? Like, so, so. The issue with, with it is like, okay, it is a great plan, and the NBA has gone to great lengths. Also, these tests, these tests have somewhere between a 20% to 70% false negative rate. So if you average 20% and 70%, what are you almost to? 50%, which is the flip of a friggin' coin, right? Yeah. So, like, my point is that for what reason are we trying so quickly to get back? Now, if it ends up unify, or, or let me be careful with my language, if it ends up helping to unify, great. Then you know what? Step on, stop all over my lawn, like trample my lawn, and give the Larry <laughs> O'Brien Trophy, and that's great. Then I say that's a great outcome. But I just there's, I just have concerns about like all of these moving parts, and what what are the motivations? Why are we doing this? And I think you just kind of like cast some dust on like the outline of the shadow of what we're talking about here. Um, this might be like Kyrie's sort of point. There is an answer to why are we doing this, and it's the money, and it's the TV deals. And so if that's our answer, if we can boil it all the way down to that, then yeah, isn't there a ton of validity to any sort of objection to playing? Right now? I think people like, think so often of power in a society as a tower, like this, like there's somebody at the top of it and everybody at the bottom or whatever, but it's really a web. And the reason I say this is because we're talking about pushing the league back and you asked uh, Dr. Travis, why would we push it back? The Athletic lost 8% of their staff. Restaurants all over Denver have closed and will never open up again. Sports bars all over the country have closed and will never open up again. You've got the Denver Post has already furloughed a bunch of writers and let go others. We saw Vox Media has cut almost all of their staff at their corporate offices. There were only three and a half months into this, pushing things back another five, six months. And I'm not saying, look, what's right is right. And in the civil rights movement, a lot of people had to sacrifice a lot of things in order to move society forward. So I'm not trying to say this definitively answers the question. Sure. But when people throw, I, I feel like a lot of people shoot from the hip on their takes about, well, we should just do this or that. And I'm not saying you are, but even from our perspective, I don't know if we would survive six, seven more months without an actual sport to talk about. And we've fought tooth or nail to fight to live where we are now. So yeah. I, there would, I think the residual effects, and then this is a thing I, I suspect will come out this week as this story continues to evolve. I suspect that the powers that be in the NBA are going to really try to lay out what skipping the season means financially. And I think it means a lot more than just, all right, everybody loses 10% of your income. I think it means 
next year we lose all this and that and we tear up the collective bargaining agreement because it no longer makes sense so we have to renegotiate and you know Tillman Fertitta who owns casinos and, and restaurants and everything else he's not going to agree to a 50-50 split anymore because he needs money to make up for this or that there's there's it's a web everything is a web and there's one domino is going to affect all the other ones yeah it's so true I mean like when you say when you boil it down to just the concept of money we're bringing it back for money it's like <clears throat> That sounds like there's a guy putting a bunch of bills into his wallet and walking away, like cackling. But it's like really, it's it's money as in the lubrication that society, the machine of society, is built upon. And you know, we we've just hit this monumental stop, like that we've never seen before. Where just things have just stopped happening. And you know, like I am most certainly not for the idea that we just bring something back. We pretend it never left in the first place it returns us to the status quo as people are saying but i am for the idea of bringing back normalcy in that we all have lives and we all you know like you have small things that you worry about on a day-to-day basis and you have things that you're even when you have like a, a soul focus like it's good to have rich lives with different things that you're looking at and things that entertain you that are that seem like they're not a big deal i mean the the tough part the toughest part for me in all of this is the health concerns because that that is the part that is you can't really just gloss over and be like come on guys just do it like if it was just if we only had the civil unrest happening you could be like yo like look at the clip that we started the show off with like if you really Tommy want to Smith have and, and John Carlos if you really want to have that, that that is one of the most iconic moments of the civil rights movement in, in that you took a an event and you sort of turned the focus at the highest moment to make people think about something else. But all the while, I don't know. It's, it's just such a complicated, there's just, everything is just so unbelievably complicated. It's really I haunting to watch that clip. Cause we of course know yeah. it as students, this is before our time and we know it as this triumphant moment. And then you watch the clip and you hear him getting yeah. booed off of the podium. And it's like, totally. that's right. This came with an enormous amount of sacrifice and struggle, not, it's a it's a victory now, but it wasn't at the time. It was a it was a piece of a victory. Yeah, the heroes of these these photographs are almost always um, being looked at in a different light at the time, right? Always. I don't know why. I almost, almost definitely. Always. If if they do play, and I'll ask you this one, Doc. If if we if they do play, how can it how can it be a positive? Is there some positive that can come out of this? Because that's the other side of the argument here. Well, of course, of course, there's a there can be a positive, right? I think. <laughs> The challenge is, and, and forgive me because I'm going to wax philosophical for please, a minute. So, please, um, please, please, yeah. Like, please do. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know, I, I already saw one of my students is here in the chat and all of that, so he's probably going to oh, leave fantastic. now. He's going to be like, shoot, I, I, <laughs> I've heard enough of this kind of BS in class. But like, we so often seem to, and I, I get it, I get why, but we so often seem to want to filter something through either an optimistic frame or a pessimistic frame, as though it mm. has to be one or the other. And that drives me insane, because most things are not. Most things are not inherently optimistic or pessimistic. Like, they are somewhere in between there. And like, part of what this is revealing about our society, American society, is that one, we don't deal well with death. We don't talk about death. We, we, we are really poor in terms of dealing with death. We don't know how to address it. Um, and that that's problematic, right? And maybe one gift is now we get better at doing that. We'll see. Um, another thing that we're learning about society is that 
people put it's like you're either optimist or pessimist which is it's ridiculous it's like no no i'm a let me get survey the land ist and then mm. i'll t and people will use the term realist i don't like that because that's loaded too right so it's just I, I'll, I'll sort of look at the land and i'll the lay of the land and i'll see and and i'm not inherently optimistic or pessimistic i can sit with some of the challenges that are involved right like i can let me tell you put it this way get back to your your more pointed to your question which is like I can see a scenario where the NBA tries this thing in Orlando and it doesn't go well, right? And there are enough players that we just saw like the military. I read an article this morning, like the initial test two weeks ago, four people tested positive and two weeks later, 42. So like, it's very possible that something like that could happen and then they have to shut it down. But it's see, to down. me, that's okay. Like if that, if that happens, okay. Like um, I can accept that. And then I can also accept that we have to do what's right in that moment. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm a pessimist. It just means I can accept that something negative might come of this. I can also accept something positive yeah. might. So what does that make me? It just makes me someone who sort of looks at, yeah, it makes me a person, right? And like, <laughs> but I feel like we get sort of pigeonholed into having to be one or the other. So absolutely something positive could come from it. And you know what, Adam, the season could, Dr. Adam, the season <laughs> could, could start. Um, and I could revise, um, I always tell my students I revise uh, I, I I reserve the right to be wrong and I reserve the right to revise yeah. my opinion. And so you know what Th this season could start and it might be great and then I might go this is better than I thought. You know what I'm glad they're giving out the Larry O'Brien. Like I, it could be amazing and I I acknowledge that that could happen. I also acknowledge that you know we could start this and it wouldn't finish. And, and so like in this country, and, and I'm just going to speak for our country, this might be true other places, but I'm an American, this is where I was born, I'll speak for this country. Well, I'll speak for this country. Well, at this point, it's a low damn bar for who gets yeah. to speak for the yeah. country, so I'll yeah, take it. True. But but like, um, sorry, I don't know if I'm supposed to say stuff. You're fine. You're good. But it's, you know, like we have to learn how to balance those things. And it's okay. It's okay for us to say some bad things could happen. There could be some good things. It could end up being neutral and, and that's okay. But we have to, if we're going to go down this road together and not just NBA, but whatever it is we're wrestling with, we've got to be able to accept all of those facts. Like when you think about the COVID thing, that's the problem. Like we can't tend to any damn nuance. So it's like, it's mm, like yeah. in this country, it's like you either have to tell everyone to stay home or, or we just go back to work, which is pre it's preposterous. The CDC laid out a plan weeks ago that if we just follow it, we have a little discipline and we have a little patience. And, you know, but then we have to accept the fact that we could start doing this and we might have to pull back again in certain ways or in certain contexts. Right, and people don't right. want to do that. It's either you're an optimist and you go forward oh, or so you're true. a pessimist. Right. And so. When you ask me about the NBA, that's the lens I'm looking at it from. So I'm absolutely open to the possibility that it could go well, and I hope it does. Can we? Um, I, we need to take one more break, but I, you said something in there that I think will really help steer where I want to go after this, and that was just about being wrong. You're open to the idea that you're wrong on this, and I think that's an important one. So, Harrison, take us to our final break, and then after that, we'll we'll move the conversation its final direction. Yeah, guys, Green Mountain Dental Group, located in Lakewood, the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area. If you schedule a cleaning extra in exam at Green Mountain Dental Group, they'll hook you up with a free Sonicare toothbrush. Uh, they are located just 15 minutes from downtown Denver. And remember, get a cleaning x-ray and exam at Green Mountain Dental Group. You will receive a free Sonicare toothbrush today. Also, 
you guys can get 20% off Strava Craft Coffee when you purchase it online using the code DNVR20. Of course, Strava Craft Coffee is packed with CBD. You can purchase it in K-cups for your Keurig. You can get it whole bean. You can get it ground. You can get it for 20% off online when you use the code DNVR20. Is this song too sexy for me? It is definitely too sexy, but I already committed to it, so here we are. I love this one. You guys, you guys don't know. I FKJ, really you don't yeah, know. I do, I do know. Just let it ride for a little. Just let it ride for a little bit. Just take it for a spin. Um, no, so I wanted to talk about this because I, um, I watched um, Dave Chappelle's video that came out uh, a couple days ago, I think on yeah. Thursday night. And yeah. I'm going to admit it really affected me quite a bit. And it, it, it was for, I thought it was incredibly powerful. And to be perfectly frank, I haven't really stopped thinking about it since watching it. It's kind of it's one of those things that's kind of lingered with me. And I'm also, I think, a little bit embarrassed to say that after watching it, my perspective changed. It, not like radically. I didn't have like, this, like a radically different view, but it, it really made me think about just what we are doing because we have been talking about sports now for the last two weeks. We had our moment where we sort of addressed the Black Lives Matter uh, movement and we, we talked about different things, but we've been talking about sports and <laughs> uh, there you go. Somebody in the, the comments knows, knows the song. But um, we, uh, of course, but, but it's made me really stop to pause and think about it. And it just hit me with a whole new gravity. And the reason I bring this up is because my whole life is about being okay with being wrong. We, we joke about this with, with, with vote, but we're both philosophy majors. The like nature of philosophy, the people that are drawn to study philosophy are the people that are just like, you know, these things that don't have answers, let's try to find the answer. And you're just always wrong. And you just keep re, re, you know, thinking about the uh, between philosophy and sports writing. We've really committed to being wrong. <laughs> just always wrong. We're just always yeah. wrong. Can I preface all my nuggets takes with, I reserve the right to be wrong. Can I, can I do that from now on? But I, but I do think it's important more this. And this is really what, when I talk about the Chappelle thing and when I've really been reflecting on it over the last five days or whatever, this is where there's ways for us to talk about them I mean, sports inter intersect culture all the time. And in this moment, they absolutely intersect. If somebody were to say right now, stick to sports, I'd say, I am. This is sports. We're talking about it just so happens to also be life. But there's, I, I think it's important for people to be wrong. And this is one thing that I, I, I do fear right now is that people are very uncomfortable to say things. I know I have been because I don't want to be wrong. I might've said something eight days ago that I don't feel anymore. And it's not radical. I don't have like a radically different belief. But my opinion can can change and can evolve, and I think that that is a big part of what this moment uh, movement means to me right now is this like reexamining my own perspective on society and on things. Um, yeah. Anyway, I want to I, I just throw that out yeah. there. No, Adam, I I like that you said that. It was interesting because when you first started talking on this topic a minute or two ago, you used the word embarrassed, and when I heard embarrassed, I was like, shame on us, not us on the panel, but shame on our culture. Right. Like why, how, how we need to interrogate that and ask, how is it that we've created an environment that someone changes their perspective and they feel embarrassed like that? We should celebrate that. Like this is what that, that should be like. That's what being a human is. Let me right? say I'm embarrassed of myself to myself, though, in this one way. And that sometimes yeah. when you hear a perspective from somebody, you think like, why didn't I see that before? And like, look, again, yeah. this is just part of being human. I forgive myself right. for it. I think I'm, right. But at the same time, I'm, I'm still embarrassed for it because I'm like, <laughs> now I see it. And I don't know why I didn't see it before. That, that, that's but, what but I mean. Adam, that's, the, that's like, but that's what being a person is. Yeah. Like we see all of these things later. It's the to use the sports, um, um, you know, 
analogy, it's the Monday morning quarterbacking thing, right? Yeah. You have this totally. after the fact, it's so easy to see. And, and, you know, like for me, I mean, my identity is always an interesting identity. Uh, you know, having a father who was of mixed race, black, Brazilian, indigenous, and European, and a mother who was of European descent, my body's always felt like it's a war between the oppressed and the oppressor. And that's mm -hmm. always a difficult, I don't know, always difficult, but complex, complicated identity. It's a particularly complicated identity to have perhaps in this time. But I think that that identity has contributed to me being able to sit with these tensions and wrestle with these kinds of tensions in a way that's just feels natural to me. Right. And so like when I think about the point our country's at now, what like the part of what gives me hope is that I've had conversations with people who believe very differently about certain things than me in the world and they're listening. And these are people that maybe wouldn't have listened so right. much in the past. Right. But they're yeah. listening. And it's like, and totally. listen, whatever they end up believing, that's fine. Like I, I always tell, I'm talking about my students a lot here, but I always tell my students like, look, you can leave your beliefs at the door. You can pick them up on the way out. Like I'm not trying to t steal your beliefs. Right. All I ask that you do is look through different lenses. And, you know, I've people in my life that have that's different great. beliefs than me are listening. And so yeah. that to me is the positive side yeah. of all of this. Right. And like, this is the sort of thing that to kind of begin to take this full circle, like Brendan and others were talking about this at the beginning. It's like, this is where distraction and a negative connotation could come up. Like, we don't want to get distracted to the point that we stop having these conversations, that we we, we stop uh, doing the work of being wrong and examining our belief. Like that's maybe not for you all. I don't know. But for me, that's hard work like that. It's 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 exhausting. I'm I'm so exhausted for a lot of reasons. I've been protesting and there's a lot going on, but but I'm mentally exhausted, yeah. not physically oh, yeah. exhausted. And part of that is just because not just the emotional part of it, but just wrestling with all of these different ideas. And like so I want if sports came back it would be lovely because <laughs> it would it would relax my mind perhaps for a little bit and i would like that but then we also i think and this is my opinion others can disagree but we have to commit to going back into these spaces that are difficult yeah. oh, and totally. that challenge us where we're probably going to find out that we're wrong about certain things you know can i just jump off of this again i, I know i keep butting in here but uh, you you mentioned about being mentally exhausted and sports taking your mind off but I just want to present the other perspective of this, and it's something I think about yeah. a lot. We just watched the Michael Jordan doc. He lived yeah. in exhaustion. We talk about yeah. Kobe Bryant. He lived yeah. in exhaustion, but what do they do? They push through it. It was this thing that you can sit there and watch the Michael Jordan documentary or Kobe Bryant player, LeBron James, or any of these guys, and when you see them truly push themselves to the limit and you're sitting on the couch eating popcorn and drinking a soda and just like <laughs> gaining weight, but there's something about it that you just kind of want to stand up and be like, I want to be better at what I do. And, and it's, it, to me, this is how I always feel when I'm watching athletes at the highest level. It's not every night. Sometimes you're watching the Nuggets lose by 20 to the Hawks, and you're just like, okay, I'm not inspired tonight or whatever. But, <laughs> Definitely going to have some chips and coke tonight. Exactly. But, sure. but there's so many times when I'm watching sports that it elevates. And, and for me, I fully understand, and I think maybe I'm the exception in this one way, but sports are just such an overwhelmingly positive thing in my life, a positive force in my life. And maybe, and maybe again, because I'm that philosopher, that person that likes to ask these questions, I, I'm, it's unique that I watch it through this lens. But I, I don't think so. I think most people, whether they know it or not, are getting this out of it that's the nutrients inside inside the seeds yeah that's the thing is it's like whether or not they acknowledge it is not really the issue it's that mm. they i mean people it's you know have the the unexamined life all the time it's just they benefit from it without really even knowing why and mm. you know you so it's again you, just the mixing of all of these different walks of life that have just like there's nothing quite like 
going into a, a bar and there's a game on the DMVR bar, if, you, if you'd like, and <laughs> um, your team scores and you don't know a guy and you hug him. Right, and you yeah, yeah. Give him a high five. And it's like awesome. And you just feel like this true sense of community, like this true sense, like my favorite part of being in a stadium and being part of a big dumb crowd is like being one organism and just sort yeah. of like all collectively like bringing our will to the court and you know affecting the, the outcome whether it, it, or not it's true like it just there's something about it. it's like being uh <laughs> getting roasted in the comments i've always there. roasted in the comments you guys notice this the comments are just like flooded with roasties but yeah, they, right. bro, they Eric, roast, I agree, I, though. like do you remember the first time when you were a little kid and you were at a game with your dad and just some guy, just I'm an older dude, you know what I mean? Seemed cool, had the jersey on, he high fives you because your totally. team scored. And oh, like, yeah. Hell yeah, like I'm out here, I'm with the guys, you know? Yeah. And then that yeah, feeling is great. Um, but I guess maybe this is a ridiculous statement because we've also sort of jumped over like the difficult part of this, which is we don't know what this work looks or sounds like, the work that might be done in place of basketball right now. Um, oh sure yeah do you know what i mean so it, it's just sort of um I'm kind of losing my train of thought here so it's a little well, difficult yeah. I, I was saying better. earlier like the the thing that's also sort of like at odds with the message that Kyrie is, is talking about is that the people that are going to be watching the nba like he's preaching to the choir at that point like it's the people mm. that are watching the nba are generally i would imagine on board with this message already like more so I, than maybe the rest of America. Yeah, yeah, Not, I mean, maybe less so than you think, but more so than, yes. than, than say, the, the NASCAR like, watcher or something. Yes. Mm. Like, by taking away the NBA, I don't, th- I don't feel like you are causing the people that you want to reevaluate life in general to do that. You probably are just making them, you're arming them with the idea that these are spoiled brats, that blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe that's just me uh, searching for another reason to just desperately bring the NBA back because it uh, helps define my life and I have not a lot going on. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I just, I, I just want good things in life. I want to remember like why it's even worth fighting for anything in the first place. And it is for trivial things. It is for things that like just bring whimsy and joy and like make you smile and laugh. Like that's what life really should be about at the end of the day. So, you know, like it's so complicated because we're dealing in in the world of symbols now and everything is so symbolic of everything else. I'm going to interrupt you just to put this comment up here because I've never seen this person before. So it's well, first of all, welcome to the show that we are so thankful for you to be here. But I love that I the first time in my life I've mentioned NASCAR. (laughs) And we get a new commenter to pop in and be like, hold on. I've been biting my tongue for years. I'm ready to tell you NASCAR is better than you think, man. We just got rid of the Confederate flag, which honestly and and actually maybe that brings me around to to this, which I know we're about here to wrap up. But uh, and no steps today, guys. It's a little dude. We'll resume steps tomorrow. Um, But. Today, like, um, there's uh, there actually has been something. I don't want to say a lot because that's all relative. But there's been actually some interesting things that have come out of this. I mean, the NFL admitted they were wrong. If you would have actually told me that the NBA would pay for and run an ag that that opened up saying we were wrong <laughs> about something really big, something that we fought for years, we were wrong on, and actually we should allow our players to kneel. And oh yeah, not only that, but 
us not allowing that to happen was us purposefully ignoring and diminishing uh, an important thing. That's big. Now, I don't know if that's, you know, I, I'm not saying big enough. I don't know. I, I don't want to overstate what it is. NASCAR saying no more Confederate flag. That's big. That's mm -hmm. to me. That's a, a that's a shift. We saw little towns like Ridgeway, Colorado, doing Black Lives Matter parades, you know, throughout their city. Like this is things we haven't seen before, and the discourse and the conversation about, you know, what does policing in this country mean? What is it, wh How can we make it better? Not just like we always hear the bad apple story and this or that, but people actually saying like, what is police? What is police work? What, what does that mean? And is it the picture we've always had for it, not what it actually is supposed to be because it's, it always results in flaws to me, to me, that's meaningful change. Am I to just being too optimistic here? Doc? No, this is what, this is what chaos can afford us. Chaos can afford us um, the opportunity to question things that have remained unquestioned. Right. And, and, and so you're starting to see some of that happening. And I think that that's good. It's painful. And it's especially painful for people who may have been more in dominant groups that benefited from this, right? Because, um, you know, this is challenging like history. It's challenging the way in which we understand history and history has been taught, which thereby some people really adopt this history as a part of their identity. It's a really difficult thing, right? And so, yeah. but this is what I think it is um, like chaos. Immediately people think that's bad. I don't always think it's bad. It, right. it opens up opportunities. But but then, you know, I think Brendan was starting to get to this. But then we have to do the work. Yes. And yeah. I have a sense of what the work might look like. Right. Like like at, at the university level, they go, we, well, we want to do anti-racist stuff. I go, OK, cool. Do you know what that means? That means we have to interrogate our admissions procedures. We have to interrogate letter grades. We have to interrogate all the work we come up with, how we distribute it. We have to interrogate our salary structure, our hierarchies. Like, I'm your guy if you want to do that. Like, I'll, 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 I'm there. But, like, do you really want to do that? So, like you said, Adam, the NFL released the statement. And that is of significance. Mm -hmm. It does show the pendulum of public opinion shifting. But now we step into these next steps, which is actually doing the work, right, and then creating these new systems, which can be done. With policing, there's re, we like we know how to do this. There, it's not, it, it's not that. This is what makes it so disheartening is because there are models to do this. Uh, there's research around it. We can do it. There just hasn't been the will, right? And so then, in every other aspect of life, it's not just policing, right? Because policing is a smaller system within inside our larger system. Right. So we, are we willing then to start interrogating these systems and do the work? That's that's the question, and I don't think we know the answer yet. I, I the cynical part of me goes, now nah, we don't have the stomach or the stamina." But then Adam, like you were bringing up some of these things that make me hopeful and go, "Well, maybe this is the time we start to do some of that. Maybe this is that moment in history." It's yeah. it's bad business to be bad now, and that's a good step, but. The next step is, do we want to be good or bad? Can we remove the business from this? And that takes a lot of work. And, and just to wrap it up really quickly, I don't know if that's where you're headed with the music. But sure. Uh, yeah, that's like I'm playing the music to get you off the stage. Maybe it's yeah. ridiculous, sappy nothing, but like whatever those feelings you're describing inside the arena, what work can we do to make sure people can access that outside of the arena, particularly black people, right? You, you, the Jokic hits a game winner. You get a, a high five from a white dude. That's sick. You're Nuggets fans. But... Can it mean, like, can you walk out of that arena knowing these people stand with you, knowing you don't have to fear them or the police, right? Or these people stand with you. Can, can we bring some of these, to this, that, that immediate, like, sense of togetherness you feel? Can we get that outside of the arena? Maybe to, to do that, we have to forget about the arena for a little bit. Maybe I just said a whole bunch of nothing out of it.
<laughs> I think we we had a really I I think really good conversation here and and it's it's incomplete and I think and we knew that within an hour this conversation would be incomplete but I'm glad that we uh, we were able to get to it nonetheless. Um, I want to. As I close here, I always get the final word because I host the show. But I, I did want to bring up—I did want to bring up one thing that has sort of bugged me throughout this whole this whole last several weeks, and that was, you know, I don't want to come to his defense necessarily for—I I just want to explain. But Michael Porter Jr. early in this this thing came out and said had a statement where he said, you know, pray for as Christians we pray for everybody, including the cops on here, and he was booed off of Twitter, you know, resoundfully booed, and it's really. St- kind of bothered me in this one way i understand the timing of it. i under, always understood it. the moment he put it out i actually texted you doc and, and said like what yeah. do you think of this and we had a conversation but i knew he was going to get booed you know he knew that people were not going to enjoy it but the reason it bo- bothers me is because we've had a lot of discourse here and i understand the anger i understand the rioting i understand all of these things as a, as a sort of result of what's happening and and my focus is on the the, the injustices not on obviously the responses to those but I thought that Michael Porter's statement is one that I think is important in this discourse. It's not the to say it's the right perspective or, or, or the wrong one or whatever, but it's just, it was a message in my perspective of hope. It's actually the, the, the basis of Christianity. It's the, actually the entire foundation of it is that you're supposed to love your neighbors yourself. In the Bible, when Jesus says this is the most important of all um, uh, of his commandments, he actually comes up with an, his own word, agape, which is a whole different type of love that he's basically using to say this is a very specific type. That's how important and foundational it was. Um, and I think it's weird and, and something uncomfortable to me that somebody saying, hey, you know what we're supposed to do? Love each other, getting booed off of Twitter in this moment. And I just wanted to kind of put that in there. There's layers to it. It's more nuanced than that. But to me, it's actually, the, the, I'm not a Christian myself, but it's the one piece of Christianity that sticks with me the most. This idea that actually that is the most important thing in all of life is to look at everybody, the least people of society, and to love them. And so I just wanted to mention that because it kind of stuck with me that, that it... <laughs> It has not been invited into this discourse, but Dr. Travis, thank you so much for coming on and, and having this conversation with us. I really appreciate it. It was great to be here. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, everybody, appreciate for tuning you. in, and we will be back again tomorrow with a brand new episode. We'll see you then. So, guys, before we get out of here, one thing that I just love about Denver Rubber Company is their expertise. If you have a question about anything that you're doing around the house, And specifically, if you have a question about one of the areas they specialize in, specifically custom cut rubber or foam gaskets or hose assemblies and metal parts, they also specialize in supplying rubber snowplow blades as well. They know everything about their specialties and they know everything about the business that they're in. So if you have any questions, like I said, they are your guys and they've been doing it since 1972. They're also an essential business and have filled so many needs for several industries and they've remained open during this crazy time. Be sure to call them today for any of your needs at 1-800-259-0010 or you can visit them at drcfirst.com backslash dnvr.
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 